that your, our eyes will be open to your truth and that we will serve you better. We are edifying in the name of Jesus and you are glorified, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, let me begin from where uh, Pastor Fred just stopped. The, uh, verse 11 of that Hebrew chapter 12. There's something striking there which I want to point out before we continue. It says that no discipline. I'm reading from New Living Translation. He said, no discipline. Oh, let's read from here. He says, verse 11, verse 11. Yes. He said, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. You know that sometimes if your body is aching, just tell it, I'm not here to enjoy. Are, are we together? You see, there is a way even your body can help, uh, can, if you are not careful, can make you, can distract you. So you know there is a way when you are beginning to feel it, say, I, I, my body, am I getting sick? No, you are not getting sick. Tell it that already I know that during the time of training is not enjoyable. Have this mentality so your, even your pains will not, uh, thank you, even your pain will not distract you. Are we together? So that during training, in case your body, so you see, you have to understand that you must speak. You understand? Not only do people need to hear the word of God, but both the devil and yourself must hear the word of God all the time. Are we together? In case the devil is bringing some thoughts, reminds him of the word of God again. In case he's trying to make you feel guilty, trying to make you feel condemned, remind him of the word of God again. Are we together? Also, learn to remind yourself the word of God. Are we together? So, this is what I want you to understand here. It's always painful. So, it's not a new thing. It's not a new thing for, for me to feel. If you don't feel pain, then that means you are not under training. Are, are we together? Something must show that you are really under training. And then, but afterward, this is what I want to also to remind you that there is a harvest. And sometimes the harvest comes, and most times this is where the people, where the people look for. You understand? Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 12 says, so, verse 12, so take a new grip with your tired hands. Did you hear that? With your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Are we together? Your knees might be weak, your hands might be tired, but he says strengthen them. You understand? Verse, verse 13, he said, mark out a straight path. This is how to help yourself. Don't just be looking at, just map out a place. I must get this one. That's why it's good to come with a, with a goal. Are we together? What do you want God to do for you in this season? Every one of us here has something that you want God. Some of you, you don't even know what your purpose or ministry is. You see, this is a path you can mark. You see, you will not be concerned about how tired, how weak you are. Your concern is a straight path. There is something I must get. And that's what you should focus on. And once you are focusing on that thing, you are mapping a straight path for yourself. You understand? So you, you map it. It's like you are, you are moving in this direction. Even though it's weak because your, your, your path is straight, you find out that you are likely to reach the air. You understand? Not being distracted by the weaknesses. Not being distracted by the pains that is coming. And truly, I must tell you, your body will pain you. If you really want to stretch, your body will pain you. Are we together? He said, map out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame 
you understand, will not fall but become strong. You cannot imagine you are feeling weak, but then in the end, you are what? You are becoming strong. Are we together? Hallelujah. Now, my job is so easy, you understand? By the grace of God, when the man of God will come, he will talk especially more on the direction, training for you to be trained into ministry. So one of my job is just to give some of the uh, important thing on bi the Bible because we're going to be dealing, uh, we will see that for the believer, we've been talking about discipline, training, Pastor um, Ephraim came and he was making very profound truths to us, you understand? I was just writing. And, but you have to know, not just only that the training is important, it's important to know the, the tool, the instrument, the equipment for the training. You understand? Are we together? The equipment for the training. So I will just give an overview, and the part I will take is not the one we have been taking in the church. Often time, are we together? Yes. So I will talk, I will start today, and I will end tomorrow on the canonicity of scriptures. The canonicity of scriptures. I will explain later what canonicity means. We, 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 we as, a, as pastors, we, we, we just were very compelled to introduce this because of the times in which we are in. Most of us, I know where we are coming from, we never heard. If they ask you, how did the Bible was compiled? Who did that? Did it drop from heaven? You understand? We're not actually so acquainted with that. And there, are, there has been some hostility in recent times, you understand, against the scriptures or against the authority of what we have. And it becomes very necessary for us to talk about these things. So a number of the issues... We will, we will look at it from the scriptures itself because men are trying to say that, that the Bible is like any other book and that what gives us its authority is the men that sat down and now thought that, okay, we need to have something that will guide our life. But then I will show to you that the authority of scripture didn't come from the church. Are we together? Scripture itself, within itself, has authority. Because God that inspires it is almighty. Are we together? So, scriptures itself has authority. So, it's not men that gives scripture authority. Yes, we've had many people who publish the Bible. You understand? Even today, they do a lot of transformation in what we have. You understand? Put chapters, put verses, put um, uh, subheadings, you understand? Include some commentaries inside. And we have all kinds of uh, additions. We have leadership Bible. We have um, all kinds of Bibles these days, you understand? <laughs> Amen. Youth Bible, you understand? Oh, and, and so the point is that those people are not the one that gives scriptures authority. I'm going to see it, and first we're going to look at the questions about canonicity. 
So what are some of the questions about scriptures that has been asked? I'm going to say something to connect with this message and all that we have uh, been hearing from the beginning. You understand about equipping the saints. And then we will look at also the agent through which God trained the saints. You understand? We are in a difficult generation whereby we really need to pay attention that God doesn't have many things. You know, these days, people, if you want to start ministry, just like, oh, you want to start service of God, you know, many people want to go to buy gadgets, you understand? Who go to buy suit, the one that is shining, you understand? Go to buy all kinds of things, you understand? And focus on media, 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 and think that that is what makes the ministry. Are we together? And neglect the very thing through which they attend. Some of them go for psychology training. They go to do, it's good to train yourself in whatever, in human development and all that. But you see, neglecting the very agent, the very thing that God gave for his saints or for his people to be equipped, you understand? And there is no any other. We only have one. There is no many, you understand? And we have to know that. Then we'll look at the canonicity of scriptures. Then we'll look at the discrepancies in the number of books in the Bible. And I believe that, I don't know. Is any of us having books? Maybe check your Bibles. I know some of us are holding different kinds of Bibles. Just check. Or if you know, do you have your Bibles that have more than 66 books? Yes. Good. Ah, I'm glad to have. Yes. Yes, we have one here. Do you have any other one that have more than 66 books? Yes. Maybe in the back, whether at the, at the, at the site of uh, the Old Testament, what we call the Apocryphas, or the, the other part in the New Testament where some, uh, even there, there is a contention, what we call the Noxious Gospels. Amen? Okay, good. Now, that, that makes it interesting. Now, this is what we're going to discuss today. Now, why is it that some other Bible has more than 66 books and some have 66 books? Why? We're going to look at some of the questions and look at the discrepancies. How comes we have different Bible have different numbers? Then we will look at the end, and most of this we will end with that, that why Apocrypha is not canon. But then I'll have to explain what canon means to a lot of us. Amen? Okay, so let me start from the questions. Now, there has been a gap, you understand, about what are taught in churches and what they are being bombarded in their day-to-day -day life regarding the authority of scriptures. Now, because we are in a global world, so we, have, we can be seeing what is going on in America and everywhere. And the discussion online and on many other places has been on the issue that some criticize. And I remember my wife when we were in the hospital. I think is it with um, Expo or Elinor? I forgot. But one of the nurse came. She was saying when she saw her name Magdalene. She said, "Huh, Magdalene? Wow. Did you did you know that that Magdalene that uh, the the wife that Jesus married? <laughs> you see." And she started giving her the stories about how Jesus married Magdalene, how he has a child, how da, da, da. She said, no, I don't believe that. That's not true. You understand? So to tell you that many people, and you can be confronted with some of these things. Now, what will you say? 
You can only say, eh, it is not true. But how can you explain it's not true? Because their life is changing. So if you must do ministry, you may encounter these people. Then how do you minister to this kind of people? Amen? Okay. Now, this is the gap we are seen to want to fill it up by this teaching. You understand? And a lot of Christians have been asked several questions regarding the Bible that they have no answer. You understand? Like the question I asked, why is this Bible? And some of us are holding it. And I believe that just like uh, me, all of us are coming from different denominations here. And most of us, whether you like it or not, when you are growing, you are a product of your, the denomination you came from. Are we together? Now, we are trying to build you now to develop, um, to search the truth, just like the Burean Christians. He said they are more noble, they are more noble than the Thessalonians. Are we together? Why? He said because after Paul preaches, they will go and... So we don't want to train a people that will just say, believe it, and that is it. No. We want to train a people that can understand, ask questions, you understand? Not just, uh, just move like a, 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 a zombie. Attention! Move all. Move backward. Why are you moving? <laughs> you see that? No. Amen? Now, so because the, the, of this knowledge gap, they become confused and begin to doubt the same Bible they have been reading for many, many years. You understand? Now, I guess you have heard some of these questions, which I will give one. Who selected what books are in the Bible? Who selected what books are in the Bible? How can we know that the Bible we have today is reliable records of the original writings? Why? How can we know? Is it possible for us to know? How do we know that the Bible is the word of God? How? Is it possible to know it? Or oh, we have just been reading how were the books of the Bible selected? How were the books of the Bible selected? Are we together? Why we are some of the books, e.g., we have the Gospel of Thomas. Some of us have not heard of this, but I will tell you about a lot of Gospels now. The Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Peter, we have Tobit, we have Judith, the Maccabees, and, and so many of them, you understand? Why are they left out from, because from these 66 books, most of the ones we believe, the 66 books, why are these ones left out? And why are some of these ones included in some of the Bibles that we have? Why? These are the questions we're going to seek to answer between today and tomorrow. Hallelujah. Now, what I will do today, I will touch on the Old Testament. Tomorrow, I will talk on the New Testament. Amen? So, I divide it that way because of easy and uh, that way we'll, be, we'll have it systematically. You understand? Okay. So, the last one here, I wanted to ask also, or the, one of the questions here is, why should we trust the Bible? Why should we trust the Bible? You know, 
if you have problem, that's why you have to pay attention. If you have problem with some of these things we, we are asking here, tomorrow when you arise and you reach a particular point, they will ask you about some of the fundamental truth in scriptures. Like, is it true that Jesus is the only way? You see, if you don't believe, you say, um, 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 you know, you know, we have to be accommodating because already you have grown higher and you have gathered crowds, you understand, as followers, which they don't know you because you don't want them to say anything against you because this is what the world is coming to do now, to bring all religions at the same level and said, we, we believe there is God, but there is not only one way, you understand? All this religion, you can follow through this way, you can follow through this way, you can follow through this way to see God. Then you, that's why the question of why should we trust the Bible? Because the Bible categorically says that Jesus is the only way to the Father. You understand? Why will you trust it more than any other text? Now let's go back to the issue of equipping the saints. First, I want to retrace some of these few truths. You understand? We already clarified, Pastor um, Ifai have dealt a great job by helping us on a number of things. And I'm going to read part of it. I wrote a number of things which is very profound. You understand? I got so much from what he said. And I was blessed by that teaching. Now, but the question I want to ask is that, yes, we will be equipped. Yes, we will be this. Why? For what purpose are we equipped? For what purpose are we equipped? Why? Now, Ephesians tells us the answer. And already we have read that part. So I'm going to just talk about verse 12. He said, the reason why we have been equipped. He said, for the equipping of the saints, that is this man God gave, he said, for the equipping of the saint, for the work of the ministry. For the work of the ministry. He said, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So, what that means is that if you note verse 12, the saints are to equip for the work of the ministry. So, that means your equipping is for the work of the ministry. It's for the service of God. Then, it also adds to like an, a clarification because the ministry to do what? The ministry is for the edification of the body. So that means if your ministry divides the body, that means it's not ministry. If your ministry destabilizes the body, then that means it's not ministry. You know, we find all, I'm saying this thing very, I'm careful with every word I'm saying because we, I'm aware of the generation we are. We have found so kind, I mean, some nuisance online. You understand? Attacking the church, destabilizing the body of Christ here, left and center, and they said they are in doing ministry. That God has called them that that is a ministry. No. We saw that every ministry is for the edification of the body. Are we together? So you cannot tell us tomorrow, destroying somebody's ministry, and you said you are doing ministry. We know that you are not doing it. Are we together? 
So we have seen many Christians destroy ministries of others. They stole people's members to build their own ministry. We pray that none of you will do that. And that's why we are training you. Don't go and destroy somebody's ministry to be your own. You understand? If you want to start, you understand? There are plenty drug addicts and all people that you can start with. Don't go and steal other people's members. You understand? Don't go and steal. You want to start, you say, you come to a church, you start conversing, um, please, can you come join me? Join you how? Is that how they used to start ministry? Okay, let me stop here first. Now, ministry is not for some saints. That's another truth we have to put. That this is for all saints. So don't say, you know, there's statement I've heard even in the body of Christ. Even in church, we are preaching. They say, those that are calling to ministry, we are calling you so that you be prayed for. Is, is a weird statement. You understand? How can you say those who are called the ministry? Who is not called? Now from that scripture we saw, it said for the equipping of saints, it's not for some saints. It's all the saints for the work of the ministry. So whether you know your ministry or whether you don't know your ministry, know that you have a ministry. Some people are not called. It's not pastors alone that are called to ministry. No. The pastors are called to train the saints to the work of the ministry. Are we together? This is the truth that we must put. So, God wants all of us. In fact, a call to salvation is in itself a call to ministry. Are we together? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You understand? We are God's workmanship. You understand? Created, that created means recreated in Christ Jesus. Are we together? How? Unto what? Unto good works, which he had foreordained for us to do. Are we together? So you are recreated in Christ Jesus, that is, you are saved. You understand? Unto ministry, not to come and sit down. So don't ever from today, if you are in this church, don't ever from today say that eh, I am not called into ministry. No. Every believer, the day you receive Jesus Christ as a Lord, it's not, two, it's not two calls. I hear so many people, he said, the day the Lord called me into ministry. You understand? If that is the day you realize, that doesn't mean that that is the day that God called you into ministry. The day of your realization is different from the day you are called. The day you receive Jesus, that was the day you are calling to ministry. They are not different calls. Are we together? And already we have noted this verse. That I must also note this one. That the saints are not self-trained. This is what we have already noted earlier on. Nobody should deceive you that I can train myself. It's not true. That's not in this kingdom. That is a doctrine of demons. It's not in this kingdom. Even in the world. You know, these days I hear many words which we have learned. You say, it's a self-made millionaire. Self-made? How? 
You mean you came, you didn't have interaction with anybody. You just came. I've already know everything about how you will make and make yourself a millionaire. The world does not even add up sensibly. You understand? Nobody can say he's a self-made millionaire. No, it's not true. And that's the same word we carry into the church. You understand? You say, nobody trained me. I just figure it by myself. Okay? He said, this man, the apostles, the prophets, all of them, they said they were the one to train. And you hear people say, no, no one ever taught me. You know, they did that to brag about how, how, how hardworking they are. But that's not true. Hard work is not a suggestion that nobody trained you. Did, did you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So, he said that I train myself to who I am in ministry today. Fear these kind of people. I'm telling you the truth. Fear these kind of people. You understand? A man cannot command authority when he himself is not under authority. That's why I always tell sisters, the day a brother comes to you and says, I'm proposing, is he the Lord and the Omega of his life? You understand? Not just only that, because the sign that that man is submissive to God is that he's submissive to his man. Are we together? Because you cannot say you are submissive to God and then you are hostile to the system he has put in place. You understand? So it's very important. And some said, I do not need any man to teach me. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. Yes. How he teaches people is that he tells them to go and submit to the system he has put in place. Are we together? So there are certain things today. If you like, pray from heaven to earth. Holy Spirit, download it to me because that's some of the things we have been trained. He said, go and sit and stop every day. This is what, you know, it's amazing in some of the things. Some people meet me. He says, sir, this guy proposed to me that he said he loves me and I'm praying. I say, who is he? Uh, is he born again? Uh, he's not yet. I don't think he's born again, but I'm trying to pray if it is God. It means you are, you are foolish. You know, that's the height of foolishness. You want God directly to speak to you. You understand? Not to go with him. While again, you have left his word. Are we together? While again, you have, you have run away from a system that God has put in place to show you the truth. So what we are trying to say is that you cannot claim that the Holy Spirit teaches you something. When again, you are in contradiction to the system he himself has put. Are we together? So, if truly the Holy Spirit is your teacher, then he will certainly teach you to accept the system he put in place, you understand, for your training. Because he cannot contradict himself. We're going to look at later on some of the criteria for canonicity. One of it is that there is no contradiction because it's the same person that uttered the word, so he cannot contradict himself. So when the, the, our fathers, when they are coming, when they discover that a scripture is contradicting the teachings of the apostles and Jesus. They already know that this is not inspired by God. Are we together? 
So there's no how you will come and say the Holy Spirit told me. Then it is in utter contradiction to his established inspired word. Are we together? So, not submitting to authority, we have already said. So rebellion is not the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot rebel against the church of God and expect that truly you are doing the work of God. It's not true. There are systems put in place, even if there is a disagreement, abnormality in the church, there is a system in place also to address conflict in the church. Are we together? It's not by rebellion. No. It's not by slapping the elder. No. Do not speak harshly to an elder, but entreat him as a father. We have a system in this body. Even if the elder is wrong, there's a way to deal and to treat with elders. Are we together? And that's why it's important for us to put this foundation in place. Now, the word of God must be taught. That's what we're trying to say. If you truly need to be trained, the word of God must be taught. It must be taught. Because those men are there, put in place their system to teach us the word of God. So I hear many people, no, I don't go to church. I do my service at home by myself. I read my Bible by myself. You are a liar. Nobody just wake up overnight and learn things by himself. This scripture, because the day you come into Jesus, see, let me tell you one thing. To understand the scripture, you need even growth. That's why there are certain things you didn't understand before. But in time, as time continues, when you learn it, you discover that, ah, that thing I held was wrong. But those who are ahead, who are our teachers, because they are already grown and mature, they are able to train us who are younger into the things of God and the things of the Spirit. Are we together? And that's the system in God. So people must be taught. Imagine Exler would just say, no, she doesn't need a teacher. She doesn't need a father. You can imagine. That's why that's the, the issue the children that are left on the streets, how do you see them behave later in life? How do you see them behave later in life? Of course, the Arash, the Agboro people, the Almadri system, you already know they are part of the issue. Are we together? This is why anybody that is not trained is quickly figured out. That means if you are not trained, you must be an illegitimate son or a daughter. Now, it must be taught in totality and together. The word of God must be taught in totality. That means the entire Bible is our context. The entire Bible is our context. You cannot seclude, not even verse, I'm not even talking about verse. You cannot seclude some certain passage and read them alone out of the Bible. You understand? They must be read in totality. And also, together, Luke 24, the Bible tells us Jesus did that. You understand? The Bible says he said in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, he said, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything you must be, that must be, I mean, everything must be fulfilled that it is written about me. He said, in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. We're going to see this division later on. That's the entire scripture as at that time. Are we together? So he taught from all. Are we together? Again, Paul, in Acts chapter 20, verse 25 to 27. 
And indeed, now I know that you all, he was speaking to the elders of the church in Ephesus at Miletus. He said, among whom, he said, I have gone preaching the kingdom of God. He said, we'll see my face no more. So because he was about to go to Jerusalem, you understand? And he was doing a farewell message. Look at verse 26. He said, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Why? Why? He said, for I have not shown to declare to you the whole counsel of God, not someone. That means it must be together and in totality. Now, the agents that God used to train his people. Now, look at it. We have already said that these things already from the beginning that his men, God has put men to train us, to teach us the word of God. This one is saying that these men do not teach their life. These men don't teach from psychology. These men, they don't teach you. No, no. What they teach is the word of God because that is the agent of the equipping. Are we together? So, no matter how you dance, you can't escape, you cannot overcome sin. You don't overcome sin by dancing. Are we together? You must be taught the word of truth. Ye shall know the truth and it shall set you free. So, the men God has put in place, they use the word of God. So, the men of God use the word of God to train us. The men of God do not use the word of men to train us. The men of God use the word of God to train us. Are we together? Very important. These teachers, as I said, do not just teach anything they want. No. You understand? Do not just teach anything they want. The word of God is for it. Let me, let's look at This is where this thought is, is, is coming from. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. He said, all scriptures is God's bread. That is, it came by the inspiration of God. And it is useful, it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training. Now we are coming back to that word again. It said for training. In, in, in King James, we said in equipping. For training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God, that's the one it means when you say, the minister of God, what you are saying is a servant of God. If you are saying that ministry just means God's service. Yes, sir? Ministry, God's service, God's servant, God's ministers. Are we together? You are a God's servant, you are a God's minister. It's the same word. You understand? Ministry and God's service. Now, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. You understand? For every good work. So the tool of our training, what this man, where are the men? We are, what this man use is for what? For our equipping is this word. 
So you, if you ever be trained, is he here? How to pray is here. How to hear God is here. How to love is here. How to be patient is here. Are we together? If your ideology is coming from somewhere, there's a problem. Are we together? This is why we are having the confusion we are having. Because men have introduced some foreign materials, you understand, into the training program of God. And that's why we are having some men that are, that are, that are confusing the, and destabilizing the body. And we don't want you to destabilize the body. So all scripture is God's bread. And we say, so the word of God is already inspired. So, you know, I hear some people, it's a new light I saw. No, there is no new. D did you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Please understand. This Bible is already inspired. You understand? The sentence, the words, the meaning, they are inspired. So come that you have come to a word that is inspired. Don't come that you are seeking a new knowledge. It does not need inspiration. Are we together? The word does not need inspiration. Do not look for what is not inside. In the name of wanting revelation. There is no revelation beyond what God has revealed. Did you hear that? There is no revelation beyond what God has revealed. What God has revealed. Now, the scripture, as we saw, is an agent in which we use for the training. Therefore, neglecting the scriptures, neglecting the Bible, neglecting the word of God, is neglecting your training and equipping. You cannot claim to be a minister of God while you neglect the word of God. I hear people, I want God to help me. I want God to listen. And yet, the word of God is the last thing you read. No, you are not truly wanting any change. You don't want training. You run away from where the word of God is taught. Truly, you don't want training. You are just speaking. No, you don't. You understand? Where the word of God is taught, that is where you should go. If truly what you are saying is true. So, but you cannot be trained and equipped by scripture without first submitting to author its authority. This is where the issue of canonicity comes. Because you must believe that this is the word of God. This is inspired. This has authority to change my life. And I want to walk by it. You see, when you submit with the word of God, then you are not ready. You are ready to build your marriage upon it. You are ready to build your career upon it. You are ready to build every of your life upon it. Now, canonicity of scripture. I want to put a disclaimer here first. Because what we will be discussing is to touch a lot of some of our foundation. Remember, I come from a church also that is very conservative. And there are some of the thoughts here that actually is not... Uh, if I will share it in my church, they will throw me out. I mean, in my foundation, in my mother church. So I want you to know that. But you are grown, and we want you to begin to learn to read and understand the truth by what the Bible says. You understand? You see, I honor the church that have, I mean, the body of Christ all, but this idea that the church have put a demarcation, you understand, like you cannot pass here. You know, there are questions we cannot ask in our churches where we are coming from because they will say you, you are becoming carnal. 
You understand? We're just asking that question. You understand? That something has started entering, you are backsliding. Uh -uh. It's a question that you want to ask, but they say you are backsliding. Now, that's the problem. But Paul was not afraid of answering the question. In fact, most of the scriptures we have is as a result of answering questions. They send him questions, he answers. So we want to train believers, especially in this generation, if we continue the way we used to continue, just believe what we said. You understand? This is the word of God. Believe it. You understand? And you see, if you continue that way, we are going to lose a lot of people in this generation. Are we together? And that's why it is important. So I'm going to say a number of things that probably will contradict the denomination you are coming from. You understand? So be, just know that I personally love the body. Even if we're in disagreement, I don't directly attack the body. Are we together? It's not personal. I will never do that. Amen? So that's why I'm putting this disclaimer. So in case I say anything against the viewpoint in which you're coming from, know that it's not a personal attack. And then the issue is that we are looking for the truth. And that is all we are looking. That now the canon. Now, canon is from a Greek word, canon, which means a measuring device or a rod. I'll try by all means to, be, to do a, a, a little bit so that I'll not be running. <laughs> Amen. It's from a Greek word, and it means a measuring rod, a measuring rule. You understand? That's just what it means. Now, there is, a, there is another word. <laughs> this is different from the one with N-N. This C-A-N-O-N is different meaning with C-A-N-N-O-N. So if you add a double N here, it doesn't become this. It becomes this. Why? <laughs> Amen? So this is not what we mean. So be careful when you type it. You understand? It's not this uh, heavy artillery that was employed in warfare, you understand, in the past. Now, if we will just say it, a cannon is a standard. You know, when we say it's a measuring divide, you want to, it's against that you measure whether things are in alignment. Are we together? So in a short form, a canon is a standard. It's a standard. And therefore, biblical canon, the standard books, they are the standard books that makes up the scripture. In other words, the books inspired by God. So if I just say canon, maybe as we continue in the teaching, when I say just say canon, just know that I'm talking about the book that is inspired by God. In other words, we are talking about the Bible. And now, in this case, please note, what I mean is the 66 books. I don't mean those ones with the extra. And I'm going to, later on, you will know why we say that. So when I say canon, know that I'm talking about biblical canon. I'm talking about the 66 books of scripture. Not the ones that has extra. So, non-canonical books is an uninspired book or the one that does not belong to the Bible. So, any book outside these 66 books is not inspired by God. But then, how audacious. Why am I saying such? You know, this is why I'm... <laughs> Amen? Why am I saying such? Okay, we shall see. 
Remember I said I will treat only the Old Testament today. Tomorrow I will talk about the New Testament. Now, uh, nowadays, the Bible is printed as one book. You understand? Just like we see, we have only all the 66 books in one uh, piece. What we call the Bible today was in a form of multiple scrolls. Scrolls means just a roll of uh, parchment. Like this. But then I want to quote this scripture. There is an um, a scripture here. In first, second Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Paul was writing. He said, when you come, he said, bring the clock that I left with carpals as trails and my scrolls, especially the parchment. So he was referring to scriptures. Amen? He was referring to, well, at that time, we're thinking it should be scriptures, but not necessarily because in those days, books generally are written in that form, you understand, in a row. So, well, we don't know. It could be scriptures. It could be also uh, maybe other books because, you know, Paul is a, is a scholar. So definitely it could be other books. Amen. So we don't know. Anyway, but I'm just trying to let you know in those days, this is how they carry what is written. Amen. Now, what are parchment? Parchment are durable writing surfaces. You understand? In the ancient and medieval period, in those days of Paul, in the sand, they were prepared using animal skin, typically either a sheep or a goat. So on animal skin, that's, they use it for writing. You understand? Very durable. <laughs> you cannot imagine when you were in that time. <laughs> Amen? Now, later the books, the, the Bible was collected in a form of codex. And may I tell you, this codex is an invention of the church. So the church... And one of the arguments I heard later on, which we will look at it, is that, that they are claiming that, let me not go ahead of our time, but we'll come back to this. But I want to let you know that the issue of putting things in a book form is an invention of the church. Nobody has done this. It's a church that did it. You understand? So an ancient manuscript text in a form of a book. Amen? Okay. When the book form, that is a codex, was invented, the entire scriptures were collected into one book. Initially, they were in different parchment, multiple scrolls. Sometimes, even some of the books that are very long, like for example, Isaiah, they might be having multiple parchment, you understand? Maybe pieces in pieces, you understand? So, um, there's something I need to mention before I continue about the verses, you understand? The chapters particularly which we have in scriptures, you understand? Cardinal Hugo de Santo Caro is often given the credit for the dividing the Latin vulgar one of the this sin into chapters. So that's according to as far as we know now, this is a man that was credited to actually first putting the scriptures into this order we have, into these segment chapters. But initially, there were not chapters and verses. They were all a whole continuous and we have done this in this church in the sun what we call the manuscript bible study in the sun to be able to put the scripture all in one and just move and read it without having the interruption and distraction of <laughs> of some of these uh, divisions amen now and then there's another man later on uh in the arrangement in the contemporary form in the sun the cardinal stephen longton and the 
1205 created a chapter division, but this man was created to be the first one to start that. Then this man, in the order we have it in the modern times, he did that. Just a way of noting that. Also, the word of God is the only source of the knowledge of the Almighty God. So we have already uh, alluded to this fact. And so the perfect way to know Jesus is through his word. So if you want to know God, be committed to his word. You don't have any other means to know God than his word. Amen? There is no any other way. Please, I wish I would tell you there are other ways. But there is no any other way. If truly you are committed, if truly you want to know God, eh? don't go and be praying uh, empty prayers. Do you understand what I mean, empty prayers? Shouting, vibrating, sweating, and then you neglect the word of God. You won't get anything. Do you understand? You won't get anything. Fasting, in fact, if you are not careful, you fast long, and without focus, you might invite spirits. <laughs> Amen. So the truth of the matter is that the Lord will help you to know that, that the word of God is the one we have as the only way for us to know Jesus and to know God. Now, this generally, uh, the Bible is divided into this. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament from the law the book of Moses, the five books of Moses, the history, the wisdom, the prophets, and the gospel, the church history, Paul letters, general letters, and then uh, the prophecy, which is revelation. So we're going to look at all these. How do we come to see this as the inspired word of God and not any addition? You understand? Now, let's look at the discrepancies first. In the number of books. You understand? Now, the first thing, let's look at the Jewish Bible. We call it the Tanakh. That's the first one we have. It just consists of the, uh, what we call the New Testament, the Jewish Bible. The Jewish Bible is a Tanakh and contains 22 books. Contain 22 books. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to talk about this one later on. You understand? Because the Jewish Bible... And the Old Testament of what we have is the same. The only thing is just a division. You understand? Some of the Bible that we are, I mean, some of the books that we are combined as one in our own Bible is divided into two. For example, First Samuel, Second Samuel is combined in the, the Jewish Tanakh as one, which is Samuel. So you see, that's why we have 39 as the Old Testament. They have 22, but it's the same thing. That is just the difference. Those divisions. Are we together? So please know it from today. It's the same thing. We don't have any change. Both in content and is, the division is just the one I just say, say now. Some of the books are divided in our own but not in the Jewish Tanakh. Amen? Now the second one is a Christian Bible. This is where the much confusion is. You understand? Now, the Christian Bible contains the Old Testament and the New Testament which we have seen earlier on. And the biggest difference between the Jewish Tanakh and the Christian Bible is the New Testament. So that means, what is the difference between the Jewish Tanakh and actually the Christian Bible? You understand? I mean, Protestant one, because I'm going to talk about it because it's not all the Christian Bible. The Protestant one is just the New Testament. 
Now, the Christian Bible have several differences. Now, this is where we're going to come into where we have diversities. Now, the Protestant's Bible matches the Jewish standard, which I have already talked about in a, in a number of books and content. You understand? Although some of the books are just organized different, just like I said, some are divided and all that. And we shall see that. Now, this is where we will dwell and we will end for today. And it has a number of things. Why do we have, uh, why Apocrypha is not, Apocrypha are just uh, first, the extra books that are added to the scriptures. They are generally called Apocrypha. The extra books added to the Bible. Outside that, the 66. Now to this one, Apocryphas are the extra books added to the Old Testament. I have to note it. To the Old Testament only. Because there are other books which uh, later on, yesterday, tomorrow we will look at it, which we call the Noxious Gospels. <laughs> we will look at them also. Why are they not part of the biblical canon? So, but today we'll look at the ones, the additions to the Old Testament. Why are they not part of the, um, um, the inspired word of God? The Old Testament in particular. Now, the Old Testament of some of the Bibles, such as the Roman Catholic Bible, the Eastern or the Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, you understand? The Coptic Orthodox Patriarchate of Alexandria. Now, these are all divisions. Probably some of us have not known them, but I think in this world, some of us are very uh, recently, maybe uh, well, are following the Ukraine war. I think we saw the church with, you know, you saw the church also that uh, in Russia that they were supporting Putin in the war, and you saw them wearing some long, you understand? And so don't think that Russia is a completely pagan nation. But they have a different kind of, they call the Russian Orthodox. You understand? Then we have also the Coptic. We're going to look at Coptic is a, is a language in Egypt. You understand? The, the ancient Egypt. So that Coptic, they also have an Orthodox church. You understand? Which are based. In fact, some of the problem we have today in the issue of canonicity is from the some of the uh, documents which has been discovered, which are called the Coptic documents. In Egypt, generally now called the Noxious Gospels. They were docked, you understand, like archaeologists or some, I know, some Arab shepherd, peasant farmers, something like that, dug them up when they were just going about, you understand, and found them. And that's where we find uh, some of those books ever existed. Now, but we'll look at them tomorrow. Now, but here... But then all these ones, they contain extra books than the Jewish Tanakh and the Protestant Old Testament. Remember, we've already said that the Jewish Tanakh, please note that. It's very important because we are going to look at it next, next time. The Jewish Tanakh and the Protestant Old Testament are the same. Very important. Now, the term apocrypha comes from the Greek term, the hidden away. You understand? Hidden away. Referring to the extra books added to the 39 books of the Old Testament. You understand? They call it the hidden away. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I want to mention some of those things. Now, which is very important. Why some of it? We're going to look at it later on. 
Now, the Apocrypha actually were written in this silent 400 years. Here, between Malachi and Jesus. And these are the times where actually it's been generally known that no prophet of God wrote anything. No prophet of God wrote anything. It was, they call it the silent 400 years in the sun before Jesus. So most the apocrypha we are talking about, they were written in this space of time. So already it should tell you who inspired it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Now, these are the books. Not all apocryphas or all those extra biblical, I mean, extra books added to the Bible, the Old Testament, the Protestant Old Testament, or the Jewish Tanakh, are the same in all these different uh, church traditions which I have talked about. You understand? Like, look at the apocryphas here. You understand? From Esdras, 1, 2, Toby, Judith. You understand? Addition to Esther, we have addition to Esther. Wisdom of Solomon, Sirach, which is called the Ecclesiasticus. We have the Burich, which is called the, uh, with, um, the Epistle of Jeremiah, Letter to Jeremiah, Son of the Tree, Susanna. It is added to Daniel. So in those, in some of the uh, Apocrypha, it's not just only the additional books. Even in some of the books you know, there are additions attached to the book of Daniel and some of the books. Amen? So if you are reading like your book, the one, the Bible you have, you could see that maybe your Daniel have not the same chapter with his own. Are we together? Because there are additions. We have the bell and the dragon. It is added to Daniel also. The prayer of Manasseh, the Maccabees 1, 2, and 3, and 4. We have Psalm 151. I know you don't have it. You only have Psalm 150. <laughs> Amen. So, but if you can see here also, we don't have, all of them are not accepted by all the Protestants. So, like you see, the Catholic Church do not receive this. They only have the Tobit and they don't have the prayer of Manasseh, but they only have Maccabees 1 and 2. They don't also have the Maccabees. They don't accept this. Understand? The Maccabees uh, 3 and 4. And we have all of them, the Eastern, this thing, just a, a snapshot to see that they don't all accept all the apocrypha. Amen? Okay. Now, those who accept the apocrypha refers to them as, like, all those church traditions. They don't call it apocrypha. They don't like that word. They call it, they refer them as deuterocanonical scriptures. And what deutero means, it literally means the second canon. And what do they mean by the second canon? To them, this does not imply that the apocrypha are secondary inspired. Just as Deuteronomy, which translates literally as the second law, isn't less inspired as Exodus. <laughs> so intelligently put. So most of them call it the uh, deutero-canonical scriptures. Now, let me just mention some of the books that include this apocrypha. You understand? One, we have the translation done by the Roman Catholic Church already because they are part of the, one of the church traditions that have it, such as the Jerusalem Bible and the New um, uh, American Bible. They have included uh, apocrypha. Then we have other translations so that they revise uh, standard version 
and then the King James Version have two versions particularly. One version with and the other one without apocrypha. So you, have, you can pick anyone if you want anyway. Amen. But interestingly, the new King James, when they are translated, they didn't put it. They refused to put the apocrypha. Amen. So new King James does not contain apocrypha. Okay. Why should we not accept apocrypha as inspired word of God? Why? Why? One, that's the first reason. The first reason is that the Jewish universally do not accept apocrypha as the canon. You see reasons why this one is very important. The Jewish universally do not accept the apocrypha as canon. Now, you know what I mean by canon. It means the word of God, inspired scriptures. Amen? They do not. That's one. Now, the Bible affirms that the Jewish understood that the scriptures, that is now we're talking about the scriptures now, the Old Testament, the Jewish Tanakh, they were inspired. So even the Bible, inside the Bible we have now, in the New Testament, it has clearly stated that the Jewish knew. You see, why we are giving this reason is because the Jewish knew that scriptures that they have were inspired by God. Of course, let's hear from one of, the, one of them who was a Pharisee. In fact, not just a small Pharisee, one who was trained by Gamaliel. Amen? Now, this is what he has to write. In Romans chapter 3, verse 2, Paul writes, he said, Much in every way, first of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very word of God. The Jews has been in, entrusted with what? The very word of God. So already clearly telling us that the Jews, what they have, the Jews, which that is what we have, the 39 books, are truly inspired. So this is not even about Christian first and foremost. Before Christianity, we have the Jews there. Are we together? So they knew that the word of God has been entrusted to them. Amen. Now, let's look at what Jesus spoke, even Jesus himself. Amen? Jesus spoke to the Sadducees. This is what he has to say in Matthew chapter 22, verse 31. He said, but about the resurrection of the dead. He said, you, he said, have you not, sorry, you have not read what God said to you. So Jesus was alluding that God has said something to them. That the Sadducees, remember, we're going to look at it. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they are a sect of uh, the, 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 the Jews. You understand? The Jewish people. We have about a number of them. Uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Hellenistic Jews, and we have the Essenes. Amen? Now, here it says, Jesus already himself was alluding that they have not read what God said to them. So that means... We believe now that the word, the, what the Jews have is inspired. Because Jesus was also saying, God said something to them. And the Sadducees refused to listen to it concerning even the resurrection of the dead. Amen? Okay. He says something here also in John chapter 5 verse 39. He said, you study the scriptures 
he was referring to them. Remember, now we can make sense of Matthew 22, verse 31. That means he was talking about the scriptures which God have said something to them. He said, you study the scripture diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. He said, these are the very scriptures that testify of me. Amen? Beside the word of God that contain within itself testifying that we can believe the Bible. Now, the Old Testament, as the word of God, because it's clear already that the Jews truly received from God. Are we together? Now, beside the Bible, historically, we have a prominent Jewish member here called the Flavus Jephesus, uh, Josephus, you understand? He lived around AD 75 to 99. He's a prominent Jewish historian. You understand? Of the first century. This is, he rejects Apocrypha. And this is what he has to say. Now, it's on record that the Roman general Titus had given Josephus a gift of the complete Old Testament scrolls. This made Josephus a credible witness in the Hebrew canon because he had the actual temple scrolls in his possession. Remember, all these people we are talking about, they were not trying to guard their scriptures because they want to defend the Christian community. Are we together? Remember, they are doing it for themselves. They knew that they reject this thing. Are we together? Now, look at what he wrote. This is what he wrote. Because to tell you that this problem of contention about the authority of scripture is not today. Right from the first century, it has been. Did you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So this is what he wrote. That's then. He said, for we, talking about the Jews, he said, for we have not an innumerable multitude of books among us disagreeing from the contradiction from the disagreeing from and contradicting one another as the Greek have. That means he was referring to the Greek, you understand, as having multiple kinds of books. And they are trying to say, so no, 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 no. We, we don't have that. We don't have that problem. He said, but we have 22. Amen. Remember we alluded to it that is 22. And then, but our own is, some of them are divided. I will show you later on. He said, we have 22, which contain the records of all the pastimes. The records of all the pastimes. He says, which are justly believed to be what? To be divine. He said, and for them, he now, he now clearly stated them. He said, five belong to Moses. That's the five books that Moses wrote. Amen? He said, which contain his laws. And the tradition of the origin of mankind until his death. That means the Genesis. He was talking about Genesis. Amen? Now look at what he continued to say. He said, this interval of time is a little of the short thousand years. But as to the time from the death of Moses to the reign of what? Please note this timing. At Texas. Eh? The king of Persia who reigned from Zazex. The prophets who were after Moses. The prophet who were after Moses. 
wrote down what was done in their time. He was referring to the prophets. Are we together? Ahem. They wrote 13 books. Are we together? That's the one we saw as the prophet. What the Bible calls it, the minor and the major prophet. Now, he continued. The remaining four books contain the hymns of God and the precept for the conduct of human life. He was talking about the poetic parts. Are we together? Now look at it. He said from Atexazax to our own time, the complete history has been written but has not been deemed worthy. From where? Until our own time, many history has been written but it has not been deemed worthy of equal what? With the earlier records, because the failure of the exact succession of the prophets. We have given practical proof of our reverence for our own scriptures. He said, for although such long ages have now passed, no one, he was talking about the Jews, Although from the time of Atexala till now, there are many books. There is a length of time. He said, yet, no one among us, the Jews, no one has ventured to add or to what? Remove or alter anything which every Jew from the day of his birth to regard them as decree. Of God. Every Jew is raised like that. There has never been any time where the Jews contended that these scriptures, the Old Testament, that they are doubting that they are not the word of God. Never! Now, from the accountable, we can learn something. Now, Josephus believed there is no contradiction or disagreement in the word of God. He believed that the Old Testament scriptures were divine. He believed the, the, the mosaic authorship. He believed that the histories from Atexazes until the 1870, that is until their time. Are we together? He said we are not of equal credit with the canonical books because the failure of the exact succession of the prophet in other words the prophet stopped speaking around the time of Atexazis in the six i mean 465 to 425 bc the his, the historical work from 425 bc to the present time ad 70 was not considered canonical. He didn't think that the Jews had the freedom to add or remove anything from the canon. He claimed that every Jew had this perspective on the Hebrew Bible. And of course, the Deuteronomy proved that. The scripture itself, it says, Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 12, do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it but keep the command of the Lord your God that I give you. So already, just, Josephus was resounding Deuteronomy. 
and saying this is in the instinct of the Jews. They agree with it. Never to add anything or to subtract anything. He believed that the canon consists of 22 books which we have said. Our modern Bible has 39 books, not 22. This is not a difference in the books themselves. Instead, this is just an issue of how we number the same canonical books. And this is how it is named. Now, if you look at it, this is just the same. But I just give this is just a snapshot. It's better here. You can see here, Judges and Ruth. Oh, sorry. Judges and Ruth is one book in the Hebrew Tanakh. First Samuel and Second Samuel is one book. It's Samuel, just like you are seeing here. Judges and Ruth are actually two separate in their modern division, but not here. It's one. So you see also First King and Second King, First Chronicle and Second Chronicle. Ezra and Nehemiah are one book in the Jewish Tanakh. You understand? Jeremiah and Lamentation are one book. Then the whole of these ones here, they are, they are one book. Which here, the 12 minor prophets are each label separately, but here it is recognized as one. They call it the book of the 12. It's recognized as one. Now, if you look at it, our 39 is the same thing, but here is 22 because of all these uh, divisions. Amen? Hallelujah. Yes. So, the second reason, the first one we have seen reason why we should not actually see Apocrypha as inspired is because the Jewish rejected. And we see it both from scripture and from history. Amen? The second one is that Jesus did not recognize Apocrypha as canon. Mind you, we saw even the last one, Jesus attested to the fact that even the Jews truly God sent the scriptures to them. Are we together? Yes. So Jesus does not recognize Apocrypha. After his resurrection in Luke chapter 12 and chapter 24, we once more find Jesus expounding the scripture first to the two disciples walking to Amos, then shortly after to the 11, and again and again throughout the three and a half years that lays between these incidents we hear Jesus quote the Hebrew scriptures as authoritative word of God. Luke chapter 24 verse 44, we have alluded to that. You see, the same division that Jephesus, Josephus actually alluded to. You understand? The Moses, are we together? The prophets and the Psalms, which he called the hymns. Is the same thing Jesus was talking about here also. This matches, matches what we have already talked about. That means Jesus, again here, was giving credibility and authenticity to what already Joseph is a historian really said. Now, in the gospel, we find Jesus constantly quoting the the, the, the Old Testament scriptures as an authority. At the outset of his ministry in Luke chapter 4, we find him quoting the book of Deuteronomy in effective answer to Satan's temptation. <laughs> you see that? Jesus began his ministry with the word, it is written. 
a straight assertion of authority of scriptures. He was quoting the Old Testament. You understand? He was quoting the Old Testament. When answering the Pharisees and the Sadducees of his day, and which we have seen one earlier on, he always quotes the scriptures, the Old Testament, not the Apocrypha, not one. Not, he didn't quote from Maccabees. He didn't quote from Judith. He didn't quote from, you understand what I'm saying? From the wisdom of Solomon. He didn't quote from all those things. Never, even once. Never. Those who reject the Bible reject the testimony of Jesus. So if you reject the Old Testament, you reject the testimony of Jesus. Because Jesus himself already has been quoting that as an authority. He quoted that to defeat the devil. You understand? His temptation. He quoted on several occasions. In several occasions. The three, number three. There is no how, there is nowhere in the New Testament that validates Apocrypha. Now, if you look at the entire New Testament, you will discover that not only Jesus that have quoted the Old Testament, the apostles have been quoting the Old Testament from their letters and older. Well, we have not found one that any apostle have been quoting, you understand, in our present canon. Even in those days, because I don't want to bog you with so many information, even in those days, the books that were cited, for example, even some of the, uh, like in the Gnostic Gospels that were cited at those times, like the way, like, are you not schooling now? In your schooling, you've been citing some non-canonical books now. But in those days, you know, it's not as today because we have system of learning and all that. The way in which scriptures was quoted then were much more than even the Gnostic gospel. Now, like Jesus, his master, Apostle Paul, never recognized Apocrypha as canon. Look at these scriptures in, Ma in Acts chapter 28, verse 23. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even a larger number to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening explaining about the kingdom of God. From where? He said, from the law of Moses. From the law, I mean, from the prophet. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Not from Apocrypha. It's not from Maccabees. Not from Tobit. Not from Judith. You understand? Maybe we'll add some of your name. No. <laughs> Amen? Yes. So, there are various accounts and passages in the Old Testament not apocrypha, you understand? That we are quoted in the New Testament. Some examples already, we've seen some of them, but let me just give some ones. For example, the issue of Jonah, you understand? You know, you know they, uh, here some people were challenging him. And does it occur? How can somebody be swallowed with a whale and say they are three? You understand what I'm saying? But now this is Jesus himself. Are we together? He said, for as Jonah was in three days, so truly it happened because now, they have been quoting it. Are we together? So, yes, we have other ones. Acts chapter 2. This is directly quoted from the prophecy of Joel. You understand? So, you see, this is Peter speaking during the Pentecost. He quoted from Joel. What will happen is a prophecy. Amen. An estimated 263 quotations. And seven, 370 illusions. 
that is something you, you alluded to, you infer, you understand from it, you understand. From the Old Testament are made in the New Testament. Not even one of these quotations an illusion was from the Apocrypha. Not one of the New Testament authors recognized the Apocrypha as inspired word of God. Not one. But there was never anywhere the New Testament authors were in dispute with the Jews over which books were inspired of God. Listen, we alluded to something earlier on. That within the Jews, within the Jewish community, there was no one who has ever either added or subtracted, who has never raised a contention that these books were not inspired word of God. But then we get it in the New Testament. We saw the same people. There was never a contention on that these books were not also inspired. I want you to note something in this case. See, I'm trying to give you reasons, not just only from the Bible itself, but also from history. You understand? Not only from Christianity, but also from Judaism. Are we together? Because Christianity is a, is with a shared heritage with Judaism. Are, are we together? Four. That's the last one. We'll stop here. <laughs> the fourth one is that the Apocrypha itself shows it is inspired by God. You see, if you are acquainted, we are conversant with the character of God, eh? you will know, like Pastor Fred, there are certain things because I've been close to him, I know him. If you come and tell me that he did it, I will never believe you. You understand? I'm not saying he's perfect, but by virtue of the growth that God has accorded him, amen, I know there are certain things. It's not that even if you want to do them, you will not do them. Did you understand what I'm saying? Did you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Now, you know that I'm not a fool, right? Even if I want to behave like a fool, you understand? I won't be able to behave like a fool. Because everything around me is vetted. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, but if I were maybe 30 years ago, some of the attitude I would do is say, mm, no problem, he's still, a, he's still a child. You understand? But certainly, you will not see me crying just because I'm hungry. Is that Okay. <laughs> but you know there are men that are of my age that can cry because of hunger. Eh? Now, these are reasons to know because if you know Pastor Victor, you understand, you will definitely know that no, he can't cry because of food. Now, this is a character, I'm just giving that as an example. This is a character you just know. So if somebody come and tell you that you saw Pastor Victor in one restaurant, they are fighting because of food or in one uh, wedding, that they are fighting because of food, will you believe them? Now, the, problem, the issue is that because you know me and you know the character. So that's the same thing. So if you know the character of God as you are reading this apocrypha, you say, <laughs> God would never say this. <laughs> Did you understand what I'm saying? So that's one of the issues. One of the things we believe the Bible is that in them there is no contradiction. Are we together? It's written by one person. Even if you, it seems as if it's contradicting, when you study, I said something earlier, the Bible is a context. The entire Bible. So if you read it together and read it in totality, you will not see the contradiction. 
but if you come with, into the Bible with an agenda, of course, you will see the agenda. Amen? Okay, let me just end from here. Now, first one, I'll just look at two, only two. There are plenty of things. We don't have time to be looking at so many things. I'll just look at two issues. One, there is historical inaccuracy. Historical inaccuracy. Historical inaccuracy. Now, in Tobit's, Tobit claim to have existed when the kingdom of Israel divided. Remember, we have it in, this, in the canon. In 1 Kings 12. Is it 12 or 13? Yeah, 12 to, 12 to 13. When uh, Solomon died, and then that is, that is son, Rehoboam, in the sun, enter and just did some nasty things and he divided the kingdom. Now, Tobit claimed that he existed when the kingdom of Israel divided. Now, look at it. Tobit chapter 1, verse 4. Now, he said, when now I was in my own country, in the land of Israel, while I was still a young man, the whole tribe of Naphtali, my forefathers desert, sorry, my forefathers deserted the house of Jerusalem, right? This was a place which had been chosen from among all the tribe of Israel, where all the tribes should sacrifice, and where, what? The temple of the dwelling of the Most High was consecrated and established for all generations forever. See, this is what I'm talking about now. While I was still a young man, the whole tribe of Naphtali, my forefather, deserted the house of what? Deserted the house of Jerusalem. Now, later, he claimed he was taken into captivity by the Assyrians. Now, I want you to know these dates. Because these are verifiable. This is historical. You understand? Tobit in... Uh, ah, it's 110. Please. Here is 10, verse 10. Tobit 110. And I said, now, when I was carried away to captivity, I mean, to away, now, when I was carried away captive to Nineveh. Nineveh is a city in, uh, in, the, uh, in the Assyrian, you understand? Uh -huh. So, all my brethren and my relative ate the food of what? The Gentiles. When I was carried away, what? Now, that means he was carried into captivity. Now, you see, these two events are separated by more than 200 years. So, how could he have lived this long? How could he have lived this long? He claimed the first one, then verse 10, he claimed that he was taken into captivity. Now, look at what even Tobit itself, verse 14. 14, 14. He died, Tobit, you understand? In Ectana of Media at the age of what? 120. So how could he have lived already? You see, that's the word we are talking, the historical inaccuracy. That's one. Now let's look at another one quickly. Judith 1 verse 1. It answers in the 20th year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Who ruled, who ruled over the Assyrians in the great city? Who ruled, who ruled over the Assyrians in the great city of Nineveh? 
in the days of Aphazax, who ruled over the Medes in Akhtana. Now, the issue is that which we are saying. Sorry, let me come back. Where did you read historically that Nebuchadnezzar? Hmm? Nebuchadnezzar, that he was a ruler of the Assyrians. Eh? <laughs> did, you, did you see what I'm seeing? Now, now, this is some of the historical error or inaccuracy. We have the last one, doctrinal error. Doctrinal error. And this is what uh, the point that I believe the apocrypha is still kept in some of the Christian traditions. The reason is because it supports some of their doctrine. So you can claim they can't continue with their doctrine except they keep the apocrypha. Are we together? So, this is the reason I believe the apocrypha is kept in this uh, tradition. Both the Catholic Church, the uh, Eastern Orthodox, the Coptic Orthodox, you understand? Because it supports the tradition of those churches. Now, there's a doctrinal error because if it is inspired... How are you to know that the scripture is inspired is that it, con it does not contradict what God has said somewhere. God is not an author of confusion, so cannot contradict. If he inspired the apocrypha, it won't contradict other scriptures that God inspired. For example, the Bible does not teach that we can pay or pray people out of torment suffering and hell after death. We can pray for you now because you are alive. You understand? But once you die, your destiny is sealed. Amen? But then that's not what we find. In Maccabees, 2 Maccabees, chapter 12, verse 45, but if he was looking to the splendid reward that is laid up for those who fall asleep in godliness, it was a holy and pious thought. Therefore, he made atonement for the dead. He made atonement for the dead that they might be delivered from their sins. No, you cannot make atonement for the dead. You cannot deliver people who are dead from their sins. Amen? But this is unfortunately one of the key things that people, that you can pray some people from hell or from suffering or you can pay using arm. And of course, in the, if you read church history, we find where the Catholic church did that. You understand? You pay for your sins. You understand? So here we see again in Toby chapter 12, verse 9, it says, for arms given, delivered from death. Are we together? That is, you can use arm giving to deliver a person from death. Eh? And it will purge away your sins. Oh. <laughs> Those who perform deeds of charity and of righteousness will have fullness of life. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, already we have said that there are plenty of scriptures. This is one of them that give us a snapshot of that. Now, 
Wisdom of Solomon chapter 11 verse 17. For thy all-powerful hand which created the world out of formless matter did not lack means to send upon them a multitude of bears or both lions. Now, the Bible, this is a contradiction because the Bible didn't tell us that um, the world is made from anything material. Amen? That's not the teachings of the Bible. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe we are formed by what? By God's command. It says, So that what is seen, what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So all these claims contradict other passages of scripture. That suggests to us that actually we cannot have the apocrypha as inspired. Why? Because one, the Hebrews, which we have verified both in scriptures and in history, do reject that there are any extra books that are inspired. You understand? Outside the prophets, the last, you understand? Malachi, we saw even that but in history, these scriptures were found and written around the, what do we call the 400 silence years. And we saw that Jesus did not recognize there are extra books because he never quoted them. We see the church, the early church, the apostles also never recognized the apocrypha, never quoted even once in the New Testament. You understand? And lastly, we saw that even within itself, there are doctrinal contradictions. One, we see historical contradiction. You understand? This is inaccurate. We also see that there are doctrinal contradictions that contradict the canon. So we cannot have this as a canon. We cannot call this one as expired. Just the same way, you cannot come and tell me, eh, the guy, he, although he's an unbeliever, but the Holy Spirit told me to actually marry him. It's not the Holy Spirit because it is not, because it is contradicting his word. So it's not the Holy Spirit. And so, that is where we will stop today. Tomorrow, we will look at the New Testament and some of the troubles also <laughs> we have. Amen? So, I want you for now to go back and sit down and study some of these things. Because you'll be confronted with all these things. But you must be able to be able to say, why with authority that what you have, what you are reading, you understand, is the word of God. Hallelujah. Can we just pray? Father, we thank you for this time. We appreciate you for all you have been doing in our lives. We pray you will help us in the rest part of the uh, meeting. To the glory and honor of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much, sir.